You are listening to a message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to know more about Red or its ministries, please go to redchurch.org.au. Hi, my name's Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here at Red. It's great to be bringing you the message today. I haven't spoke with you for over a year now, um, but it's fantastic to be bringing you this message this morning. I'm going to be preaching from Titus 1, 5 to 15. So get your Bibles ready, uh, Titus 1, 5 to 15. Before I get into that, I just wanted to set this up a little bit, the context of this passage. So first of all, Titus was a 2IC, if you like, to the Apostle Paul. So he worked with Paul in ministry. Uh, He took a letter. Uh, Most theologians agree he took this letter to the Corinthian church. So Paul trusted this guy as, as, as one of his um, one of his disciples who could do important tasks for Paul. And Paul was writing this encouragement and instruction letter to Titus about how Titus should um, conduct himself, should establish, should set up the church in Crete. Um, Titus and Paul have journeyed there together and Titus has been left behind to set up systems, to set up this church. So um, uh, Titus was in this environment where he was surrounded by non-believers. He was a Gentile himself who had converted and come to faith, but he was surrounded by people who were leading others astray. And this message is really an encouragement and an instruction to Titus. So we'll get into it. Titus 1, 5 to 15. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder must be blameless faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. For there are many rebellious people full of meaningless talk and deception especially those of the circumcision group. They must be silenced because they are disrupting whole households by teaching things that ought not to be taught. And that for the, and that for the sake of dishonest gain. One of Crete's own prophets has said it. Cretans are liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. This saying is true. Therefore rebuke them sharply so that they will be sound in the faith and will pay no attention to Jewish myths or to, the, or to the merely human commands of those who reject truth. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and their consciences are corrupted. I'm going to start by uh, just praying. Father, 
We just steady ourselves before you again today. We ask for you to lead us, for you to teach us, for you to change us, Lord. Speak to us now, God. Grow us in your wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to uh, camp in this text today and, and talk about um, what Paul was really trying to do and what Paul was really trying to combat or have Titus combat in this uh, Crete church. So in verse 10, it says, there are many rebellious people full of meaningless, meaningless talk and deception, especially those of the circumcision group. They must be silenced. So Paul is speaking to Titus. Titus is operating in this circumstance where there were other voices, other narratives trying to distract, trying to disrupt what God wants to do. And Paul is really writing this letter to show Titus how to combat this false narrative, this false narrative of disruption. There is a false narrative of disruption that is trying to break, is trying to disrupt what God wants to do in the world. And Paul is creating a system to combat this false narrative. Titus, as I've said earlier, he is one of Paul's gun two ICs. He's a valuable resource. He's the guy that Paul has entrusted with letters. He's sent him on tasks. He's invested in him. He's grown him. He is a valuable, valuable resource in the early church. And Paul saw it important enough to leave this well-formed leader behind specifically because of the force of this false narrative. I've been thinking about that and and as we look at this text, uh, I've been asking God, so, so who are the deceivers? And the truth is it's people that are not leading you into truth. They are the deceivers. It's not so much about what they're saying, it's more about the motive for which they are saying it. If their motive is not for Christ, the direction is not towards Christ. If their motive is not for Christ, the direction is not towards Christ. As I was pulling this message together, I started thinking about all the narratives that come into my world, that come into the world of Ryan Wallace. And there's a whole heap of them. You've got motives and and messages coming into your world as well. There's messages from your partner, from your um, from your family, from your friends, from the people you socialise with. But there's messages from advertising that are hitting you as well. There's messages from your newsfeed that you scroll through. There's messages from your Netflix account. Um, All these messages come into your world and these messages are actively trying to form you. They're actively trying to gain your focus so that um, they can form you. They can create habits in your life, Um, some of them for good and some of them for bad. Uh, I've, I've recently have just moved back from the beach. It's been a really interesting journey for me through, through COVID, through the pandemic. Um, work for me, uh, just went on steroids, went crazy. Uh, I, I used to be in the, in the construction industry and there was a major project, um, out, um, past Geelong, uh, here in Victoria, uh, that, that work asked me if I would go down to. And um, so I took the opportunity. 
we rented a house near the beach and we moved with our family down to the beach to keep the commute down. That was the main motive of going. Um, I could stay connected to Red because of online church. Um, And in this break, in this withdrawal from Melbourne, it actually created a lot of reflection time for me. Um, Interestingly, the lockdown stripped back um, friends. It stripped back social events, appointments. It stripped back from my life. That was my experience. Um, and, and, And interestingly, as conditions eased, because I was outside the Ring of Steel here in Victoria and because I was down the beach where I had no friends, um, our friends in Melbourne started socialising again. Um, but we were in this kind of weird after lockdown lockdown where we didn't really know anyone. So I still had this openness of time and thought, really thought space that God could speak into. There was a moment as, and I think so much of the world is going through this last right now and went through this last year of questioning, where am I going to live? What am I going to do with my life? As we have this space to contemplate, we start to analyse things that are going on in our lives. And I'm no different. During that time, um, we seriously considered, should we sell our house and should we buy at the beach? Um, And as we were contemplating this, um, I started looking around at the messages uh, of the people were living out around me. Um, And a lot of messages were... We've rejected city living. We're going after the quiet life. We're moving down to the beach. And it seemed like it was for all good reason. Um, But I realised as I I started contemplating on God and asking God for his direction over my life, I realised that there was a, a, a similar pursuit of something that was not God in the people that were around me. There were a lot of people that were just chasing lifestyle. Um, I realized that in, in Melbourne, we have this uh, caricature of the skinny jeans and the lumberjack beard and the great barista coffee. And you didn't really see that down at the beach where I was living. But what you did see was the longboard and the, the quicksilver cap worn a certain way. And it was a different version of a narrative that people were having spoken over their lives. And, and people were still chasing something. And I, I, in my spirit, felt that maybe I was starting to focus on something that wasn't Christ. And in this time of contemplation, um, I reorientated myself again and God reorientated me again to him, to his will over my life. You see, these messages, they didn't look like bad things, but when I analysed them, the way people were living and the way I was considering to live my life I realised that if my motivation through that, if the message coming to me, the motivation is not Christ, then it isn't towards Christ. In um, in Faith for Exiles, uh, David Kinnaman and, and Mark Matlock say this, and they're looking at the the the, the problem with society and the and the 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 age that we live live in, and they say that the challenge is this: the challenge of trying to find real, livable wisdom in an accelerated, complex culture. Instantaneous access to information does not equal wisdom. These guys are speaking into a culture of 
bombardment where we're in this digital exile where there's messages coming to us telling us how we should be living our lives. And they're saying just because there's all this information and all these messages coming at us does not mean that it's wisdom. It's not so much about what someone is saying. Um, it's, it's about why they are saying it. We live in this, in this digital exile and, and we've got to be cautious. It's actually scary when you think about it. Um, Paul left Titus in an age of slow messaging. Paul left Titus in this age of comparative quiet to, to our age. And Paul saw that it was necessary to leave his gun leader in Crete um, to combat this slow messaging that was coming into God's people. If, if you think about it, 2,000 years ago, 200 years ago, even 20 years ago, the messaging you received was a lot slower. There was more quiet time in your life um, for God to speak into compared to the, the age we live in. In, in 2,000 years ago, 200 years ago, 20 years ago, the comparatively the quiet in your life would have outweighed the amount of noise in your life. But that's not so in this age. If the voices in Paul's age were a slow dripping tap, the voices in our age are a raging sea. The reality is if you're alive in this age, you're being bombarded with messages. And often these messages are for the gain of the messenger. They're not for you. They're for the one giving you the message. If I can convince you to do something, if I can convince you to buy something, if I can convince you you need something, if I can convince you that you should have something, then I can gain from you. That's what advertising is. It used to be that someone that was giving you this false narrative needed to catch your focus so that once they've got your focus, they can gain from you. In our age, your focus has been monetized. Now, if I can get you looking at me, I can gain money through that. If I can hold, hold your focus, that's monetized through social media, through, um, through advertising. And I, I, all I need to do now is keep you focused on me so that I can gain from you. I no longer need to convince you that something is good for you. I now just need to hold your focus. That's all I've got to do, and that is monetized. It's really interesting. The CEO of um, Netflix was once asked, um, who's your biggest competitor? And he quipped, our biggest competitor is sleep. This is something that wants your focus, needs your time because it's monetized. It's false doctrine hidden in plain sight. If it's not for Christ, it's not towards Christ. There are people in my life that I let speak into my life and they are there to consume me and I'm letting these messages come in. I've realised in, in studying this, this verse that um, if I in my life am going to wait for some Titus to come in to establish a system around me to steward my faith, I'm going to drown. I am going to drown. We live in this sea of disruption and distraction in our age. 
But there is hope. And the hope is this. God has already filled this world with his wisdom. It's an abundance of holy wisdom if we'd only seek it. See, the world's way is I will gain your focus and I'll take from you for me. But God's way is I want to give to you for you. God wants to give to us for us. We just need to focus and seek it. We actually need to turn down the noise of the world. We need to tune out from this this sea of disruption that we're in so that we can pursue, so that we can focus on the voice of God. We need spiritual eyes to see and we need revelation of the heart to invite it in and to, to receive it. I'm actually going to stop and I'm just going to pray for that now over us as a people of God. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I just encourage you to change your posture. So if you're sat on your couch, stand up. If you're driving in your car, pull over when safe to do so. Just receive this now um, as a prayer over your life. Father, help us. Give us eyes to see the wisdom that you've placed all around us, Lord. Have us come before you again and have you minister to our souls, Lord. Give us spiritual eyes to see you and your messages in this world and give us revelation, Lord, of our hearts so that 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 wisdom changes us and changes the course of our life. I pray that over all of us, Lord, as the people of God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Where we unwittingly spend our focus, where we, uh, without consideration, give our time and our energy, we give the authority into our lives. We need to be considered about how we spend our time and where we give our focus so that God can shape us. I believe we need to focus as the people of God on the singular most important thing in this world, God. And as we do that, the promise is that God will shape us into who he has created us to be. Luke 9 says, for whatever, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake will save it. This season of Lent is about taking up our cross, denying ourselves, giving ourselves to God so that he can shape us, so that he can grow us, so that he can invest in us. That's the call that we're talking about through this Lent season and that's the call again today. Come to God, focus on him and let him shape you. I um, I was walking through a field earlier this week, uh, playground, to get to, to primary school where my son is. Um, I was on the pickup duty and um, so I was about 10 minutes early and I'm walking across this field to, to, to stand with a gaggle of other parents. And um, coming in the opposite direction across the field is, is a guy, and I recognised him. I hadn't seen him for over a year. He's actually someone that journeys with us here at Red. Um, and I, I spotted him and I, I gave the wave and, and we, we met each other. I did one of the weird uh, elbow taps in the middle of this field. 
And, uh, and I said, mate, so good to see you. We obviously haven't seen each other because of lockdown for over a year. Um, and we just got talking and asked him, so what's going on in your life? Like what's, how's lockdown been for you? And he, he started, he said, yeah, it's, 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 it's been tough. And then he stopped and he said, actually, it's been great. It's been great. God's really been speaking to me. The revelation that this 20-something-year-old had had during lockdown, he said to me, do you know God has shown me that I can't just rely on the faith of my leaders. I need to go after it myself. I need to pursue God. And this guy, he started reading uh, a 1500s French theologian um, and he was he actually said, if this guy was alive and put on a conference, I'd love to go to it. Um, I was so pumped. I was so inspired um, by the fact that God gave wisdom in the 1500s to a guy in France and that wisdom got written into books and that wisdom, that wisdom of God is today in 2021 discipling a 20-year-old. God's wisdom is in the world. We just need to pursue it. I was... uh, I was thinking about Daniel in exile in the Bible. Daniel lives in this time where um, the Israelites have been um, been dispersed, have been taken out, have, have been removed from their culture. And the truth is this, Daniel, while surrounded by a culture, while surrounded by these false messages and narratives about the way he should be living his life, Daniel does not immerse himself in it. Daniel turns down the noise. Daniel pursues the quiet. Daniel pursues the voice of God. Daniel listens for God and God speaks to him in exile. God speaks to him and changes the course of his life. And the invitation for us is just the same. The invitation is that if we have the courage to pursue, God will speak. So as you finish listening to this message, my encouragement to you is pursue God. Do a stock take of your life. Identify the noise you need to turn down. Look for the motive of the messengers. Analyse how you're spending your focus. That's the first thing. The second thing is give God space. Listen for God. Pursue God. And the third thing, is when God speaks, follow. I'm going to pray for us again. Father, we just cry out with our hearts. We want to follow you with our lives. Father, give us spiritual eyes to see where we're putting our focus in the wrong spaces. Convict us, Lord of where we need to stop giving our focus and where we need to start giving you time. Father, we invite you to speak into our lives and we commit today again to give you more of our focus so that your quiet voice can come in and shape our lives. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.